Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm Fudofan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at fudofan.com. Yeah, episode 25 now. That's,、uh, I am always surprised. Every time, you know, every week I say a number that's one higher than the last week. And it just always gets to me. It's like,、yeah. wow, we're in 25. Holy crap.、Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to, to be talking to you, Jacob. This is, I think, the second day of the year of the ox.、Um, it was pretty good.、Uh, you know, on the actual day, which was a Friday,、uh, we had a lot of people out of office、yeah. in Japan because Thursday was,、uh, was a holiday. So, A lot of people took this Friday off,、yep. um, anyways. <laughs> and, you know, even though it's not a national celebration in Japan, I don't think it's even culturally celebrated. So,、no. um, you know, it was, it was a rare moment when I didn't really have to do work in,、uh, on, on the Lunar New Year. But, you know, that's,、uh, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, it was the same, same in my office.、Um, as you said, the Japanese people, many Jap- Japanese people were off because it was the day after the national holiday. And、uh, I worked with a lot of people in Hong Kong and mainland China, and they were all off, of course. So it was pretty, pretty lonely on, on Teams. <laughs> <laughs> But,、um, Jacob, you know, we, we spoke last time, I think it was on like a, a Friday night, actually. Yeah. And,、um, You know, very rare for me to not see you between episodes because usually we, we will、uh, see each other on a Wednesday because that's when you go into the office. And,、yeah. and we'll discuss, you know, okay, well, next episode we want to do this,、uh, yeah. you know, what we're going to say. But I haven't actually seen you since we last talked. Right. Because on Saturday morning,、um, I decided. That、uh, I was g o i n g to go eat sushi、yeah. at the fish market. And so woke up at you know, 4 30, which is very, very early for me, but not very early for you. Sure.、Um, we, 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 we went to the, the fish market, I mean, you know, Akane and I.、Yeah. And I texted you. I said, you know, I hate waking up so early in the morning because I knew you were already awake. Yeah. So you texted me back. You said, isn't it wonderful? And I said, no, it's dark. You can't see anything. <laughs> And you said, well, it's glorious. And then a, a few hours later, you sent me this、um, picture. Yeah. And it, it's just of a cast. Yes. So,、um, you know, listeners to both this、uh, and the Pen Attic podcast will know that、uh, the Pen Attic broke his arm、um, a few months ago. And、uh, right after he had his arm heal,、yeah. you broke your arm. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yes, it was that Saturday morning, the morning after we recorded the podcast.、Uh, I went out running as I used to do in the morning.、Um, but I tripped when I, was, when I ran and I fell in a really bad way on a particularly hard concrete road、um, with like outstretched arms. And I got what's called a radial head fracture、uh, on my left. Arm, which is my main arm, as you know. So I've had my left arm now in a long arm cast for the last two weeks. 
And um, I went to the doctor again yesterday. He said uh, another two weeks, possibly if you're lucky, one more, just one more week because it's healing uh, uh, faster than expected. So that's good. And also what's also good is that I don't need surgery. So normally when you have this radial head fracture, uh, fracture sometimes the part that comes off can move a bit. And if it does move, then you need to do surgery. And if you need to do surgery, then, you know, the whole thing takes longer but fortunately for me i did not need to do surgery so i'm more than halfway through this now so jacob this is why you don't go running in the dark <laughs> can't see anything yeah but, but it's, it's nice to see to, to see the the sunrise but when you're done so <laughs> all right you know we are all hoping for your swift recovery jacob um you know we, we've talked about this but you know as you said in your dominant arm um can you still write though well, it it doesn't hurt when I move my uh, my hand. I mean, it, it's not like I think Brad Dowd he hurt his wrist, so I think it probably hurts. But when when he moves his hand, it doesn't do that for me. But the problem for me is that the cast gets in the way, right? So right. so I usually rest the pen like in the, in the palm of the hand, right? And I can't do that because I have this this mm. cast in the way. So. That's the problem. So I'm holding my hand as if as if I'm constantly shaking hands with people, right? <laughs> so it also means that when I'm typing on the keyboard, I'm using my right arm and I'm using one finger on my left arm. So I have been a bit slower uh, at work for the last two weeks. All right. And, uh, and as I know, um, you still had to go into the office some days, right? I still had to work... Um, on Sundays, yes, we had had some some weekend exercises I had to participate in, but fortunately, I have not had to work in the office on on a weekday. So in a way, in a way, this is the first time that something positive has come out of the pandemic. Because as you know, I'm working for a very traditional, very conservative like Japanese megacorp, and I can't imagine that if this was not a pandemic. I can't imagine that they would have let me work from home. You know, that's so funny because um, I notice that there, I think there are more people out on the weekends mm. uh, in, in the metro. So it's so funny that they make you go in on the weekend rather than the weekday. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Anyways, uh, you know, it's our favorite time. Well, it's my favorite time. Uh, it's your least favorite time. It's uh, time for a review. Let's read a review. Um, Lens Pens via App Podcast from Germany. Um, Lens Pens writes, very informative and entertaining. I cannot recommend this podcast enough. CY and Jacob always have something interesting. Oh, sorry. CY and Jacob always have some interesting stories to tell, products to review, and do such with granting a deeper look into the Japanese culture and fountain pen and stationary world. Together with the news from the market, they provide a very informative podcast, which doesn't fail to entertain. An easy listen, and the content is great. This is actually the only podcast right now that I thoroughly enjoy. Nothing to criticize here. Great job, my dudes. Wow, so, that's a very you. nice trivia. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lens Pens. We really, really appreciate it. You know, um, normally it's me reading the review, and Jacob does not 
look at the reviews. No. Uh, he 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 doesn't look at them uh, on the text because he he's a bit worried. Um, so when Jacob hears, it's exactly the first time he hears the review, and, and you know this is his live reactions. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. Um, maybe I can read another one. Um, Heart Pen via Apple Podcasts from South Africa. Uh, they write great in-depth info on Japanese pens. I really enjoy getting to know the Japanese pen and stationery scene through the informal chats with CY and Jacob and their super interesting guests. You should definitely follow and subscribe to this podcast. Well, thank you, Heart Pen. We really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you know, and thanks to everybody who who has spent the time to leave a review for us. Uh, as you know, uh, this podcast is only possible uh, because of you, and you know the the kind of support that we get really, really uh, serves as a fuel and as a motivator mm. um, for us. So we're actually getting to one year, celebrating one year um, of. Tokyo Inklings, we, I think the next episode will be the last episode and then, uh, and then we'll have done one year, right? Yeah, March. something like that. I'm not sure exactly when we started, but it feels like it was around March, April. Okay, m- maybe a few more, maybe mm. two or three more episodes, but, um, well, we are in episode 25, so usually, um, that would mean that we've, this episode is one year's worth. But I think we did every week for the first three or four weeks, and then we shifted to a uh, like, um, bi weekly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, actually, we need twenty six um, to have to have a full year. So mm. um, next episode, yeah, next episode will will be you know fully um, you know twenty six episodes. If we did a bi weekly cadence, that would be one year's worth. But yeah, that's always. Um, always humbling actually to to think about and um we really appreciate when you give us uh, a review or a rating um you know i think they say what uh rate review subscribe so Mm. please rate review subscribe uh, make it your instagram story when you listen to it you know just tell people hey i'm enjoying this new podcast Mm. and it's very likely that either uh you um your, your your family your friends you know people are interested in the same things and uh, especially in the same social circle. Mm. A lot of times those interests congregate. So maybe, um, maybe they'll, they'll read your story and, uh, and come to, come to our podcast. And we would really, really appreciate that. So please, uh, again, um, rate, review, subscribe, make mm. your Instagram story, make a post about it. Um, you know, tweet about us, uh, talk about us on your Facebook groups, talk about us on Reddit. Um, anything you can do to spread the word really, really helps us. And we really appreciate it. And one thing I would add to that is that at least for me, you know, this first year year has been really a chance for me to, to learn more about about uh, fountain pens in Japan. I mean, our listeners ask us questions that we, or at least I don't have the answer for. Like, what is, what, what's the deal with the Zoom nibs, for example? Right? So we are, we are challenged to find answers to these questions, whether that means asking retailers or looking at these mm-hmm. obscure, obscure Japanese blogs or uh, asking other people. Right. So that has been part of the fun for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, We've definitely, you know, we're not 
really um I would say we probably know more than the average Western audience about Japanese pens, but we're no we're not experts by any means, you、right. know? Like we are just hobbyists, you know, just like you, but、um, the difference is that we are obviously here、mm. uh, and that gives us the opportunity to go out and ask, and that's why we we wanted to do this podcast. Yeah. Okay. So You know, despite a broken arm, despite a very busy、uh, few weeks for me, we've actually had,、um, we have more acquisitions between these two weeks than I think we had、uh, in, in the previous,、uh, in this year combined. To be fair, it's mostly you. <laughs> okay, to be fair, it's mostly me. <laughs> And to be fair, half of this was actually bought last year in like October or something.、Right. So I'll just get right to it.、Um, I'll start with the stuff that I bought、um, that I bought last year. So last year,、um, you know, through the Panatic Slack channel, I was alerted of a deal on a Conid,、uh, and this is a Conid regular. So for、mm. those of you who don't know,、um, Conid is a company that's based out of Belgium. They're actually a sub company of some、um, manufacturer, like a like high high grade、um, precision like manufacturing company.、Mm. And、uh, they make very high quality and very very expensive、uh, pens, and those pens are usually made out of things like Delrin,、um, you know, high grade acrylic,、mm. and、uh, and titanium. So、uh, I think a, most of their furniture is made of titanium.、Mm. And、um, I was alerted to to deal that you know th- there are several sizes. There's、um, the Minimalistica, which is a、uh, slip on cap. That runs retail f- if you buy it with a steel nib for about you know five hundred dollars, and then there's the so-called regular,、um, which costs、uh, at retail about seven hundred, I want to say, and then there's the king size, which costs about you know a thousand at retail, and because、uh, there's、Conid、also that is, extra long one, right? The, like, yeah, the giraffe.、Yes. The giraffe. I don't know how much that costs because that has literally never tempted me before. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a、uh, it, it's quite a pen. And what Conid are infamous for, I would say, is、uh, their long wait times.、Mm. And、um, now, because of COVID, they've actually stopped. Well, not because of COVID, because they had. Uh, a huge back order. They they had stopped、um, manufacturing for a while, or, or they they had continued manufacturing,、mm. but they stopped、um, uh, selling the pens on their websites. And then because of COVID, God, it's、uh, okay. COVID, because of COVID, Conid stopped producing pens、right. for quite some time last year. Okay, that was a very difficult sentence to say. So. As a result, the market prices of these have just absolutely skyrocketed.、Mm. Um, people are, you know, selling minimalisticas for what eight hundred, nine hundred dollars. So,、um, when I saw this advertisement on、um, on Reddit for five hundred dollars for、um, for the Conid、uh, regular, you know, that's a great deal. Conid、um, is able to hold their value、mm. very, very well. So. So I got it, and I had it sent to one of our friends、uh, in the U.S., and then finally it's made its way to Japan here. So my impressions of this pen is that it's a very, very solid pen.、Mm. It's a very solid pen. I mean, I I have it in my hands right now, 
and my first impression is that the plastic actually the this clear um plastic feels very nice um it feels nicer than the the other plastics that i have like i have um i have a movement here too I, i don't know what it is but maybe it's the way they they polish it or they finish it it feels kind of warm to touch almost like almost like lacquer but not really mm. um but but the plastic is very nice the uh the section on the model that i have is i believe delrin so that's the same uh that's the same material as a lamy 2000 and it's it's concaved so i think you'll like it jacob this pen might be a little bit small uh for your liking i know you like big pens mm. um but it, it's it's a pretty decent size it's just maybe a bit slimmer than you would like mm. but it's uh i think it's it's quite comfortable the only thing that i didn't like about uh this pen when i when i was uh buying it actually the two things um the first is their logo i think their logo is really ugly but on the regular, they have these two O-rings on the back, and I really didn't like these O-rings. So my plan was to remove the O-rings and fill it in with lacquer. But then I realized now that in order to disassemble the pen, mm. you actually have to go... Um, it, it's hidden under the O-rings, actually, the, right. the screw for disassembly. So if I lacquer it, then I'll never be able to disassemble this pen. So I'm still thinking uh, of what I can do with it. Now that I have the pen in my hands, one more thing bothers me about this pen, and that is that um, there's a, a clear acrylic barrel. There is um, the secondary ink view, same as the Rialos. Mm. And then there is um, the the threads. But the threads are between the secondary ink view and the main barrel. So that's not like um, that's not like the the Realo. Mm. And what bothers me is that the ink view and the the barrel they're you know clear acrylic, but the threads are titanium. So you have this wonderfully um, streamlined pen, and then suddenly there is like a block of titanium. Right. And I think that kind of um, it breaks up the the aesthetic of this pen, mm. so that's I would say um, you know one 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 thing that I I think design wise they mm. could have uh, they could have done a bit better because I think if these were plastic threads, it would be just as good. So I haven't seen your pen yet for reasons we <laughs> explained earlier, but. Um, our friend Dan from New York visits Japan every once in a while and he always brings a whole bunch of uh, Konid pens so I, I've had a look at them I, I in terms of size I really like the um, the, the, the king size Konid yep. um, but you're right that they they feel like they are sort of engineered more than they are designed it's like an, an engineer's dream pen it's a very nice pen, um, and I had a music nib. I had a Bach music nib in here mm. a while ago, but um, I've since changed it to one of the Wall EverSharp adjustables. Sorry, this is a Bach normal normal Bach screw in unit. Like it's a Bach, uh, yeah, Bach two fifty. Two fifty, yeah. 
and they, they've got that pin in there, right? So when I change it to a music nib, I actually fit an ebonite feed on it, and I modified the ebonite feed so that it would also take that pin. Now, funny thing is that I don't have that uh, that nib unit in there anymore. Um, so we've been talking about these Moonman yes. pens, right? So the Moonman housing actually fits into the Conid. Really? Yeah. So, so I think it's confirmed that Moonman, um, you know, the the housing and the f the feed particularly is a different um, shape. So I don't think the feed is um, exactly interchangeable, but um, yeah, it's it's box threaded. But that's curious because I remember when that Moonman was it the M eight hundred released. That's you know Leonardo. Yeah, they made a big deal yeah. out of uh, out of box threading. Well, they had one version with the Bach nibs and then had another version with Moonman nibs. But I vaguely recall discussions about the threads not being the normal Bach threads because they wanted to use like Moonman housing, but so, which seems different from what you're saying now. But you're saying that if you're getting an, a Moonman pen now, you can unscrew the nib unit and you can you can screw it into not just a, not just a Conid, but any pen that takes a Bach 250 unit? Well, that's the curious thing because I tried the same thing with my um, with my uh, Eboya. Right. And that didn't work. Mm. So I think the the result is more um, more research is needed yeah. in regards to this, but I think, you know, for my own purposes, it, it's really, really good. So I have, you know, a whole bunch of um, nibs that are in Bach units with Ebonite feeds. So that's really awesome for me. By the way, going back to what you said about Conid stopping production, I do remember that there was this blog post, I think almost a year ago now, where it's like paused to restart or something like that, when they were going to stop taking new orders and presumably start again, you know, in a few months. I'm not sure if they said when they were going to start, but I think the question is, you know, why haven't they restarted yet? So do you know anything about what the current state is and, and when they might restart the production? Uh, I do, actually, because I actually have another Conan on order, which I ordered uh, more than a year ago. I ordered mm. last year in January with Fontaplumo. And, um, you know, I expected... And they, they told me that, you know, they wouldn't get the pens in until at least May. I said, okay, mm. that's fine. I'm a patient person. So, well, I've learned to be a patient person ever since moving to Japan. Anyways, um, you know, in Japan, you have to wait for everything. But anyways, um, so around May, I was like, hey, you know, we're in this pandemic. Uh, do you have any updates? They're like, yeah, they, they haven't restarted. Fine. So in September, I asked him, hey, um, you have any updates? They haven't, uh, we expect them to get them soon. Okay, fine. In December, I asked them again, hey, um, do you have any updates? We expect them to get them soon. So now it's 2021. Um, they, they still have not gotten in the pen. So I actually do have another Conid on order. And, um, you know, it's been over a year. I, I, I'd be lying if I say I wasn't concerned. But, you know, we just have to wait. I'm sure... Uh, you know, Fontaplumo is a very reputable uh, retailer. I'm sure they would uh, get the pens to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, long story short, uh, no, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they they are not. Um, yeah. 
All right. So um, next thing on the list is uh, a Ford. So um, I got this Ford patent pen, which might not stay in my possession much longer, to be honest. But it's, it's kind of a cool pen. Um, it was a vintage that I, I bought off of uh, off of Instagram. And what's interesting about this pen is that it's this special kind of I would call it a vacuum uh, a vacuum filler, um, but you have to unscrew the barrel uh, to access the the filling system. And it's a it's a huge pen. Um, you know we don't exactly have so much time to to go through all the details, but right. you know Ford um, patent pen um, that's really really. Uh, a really awesome pen it's it's huge it's, it's almost the same size i think it is the same size as my 149 oh, really? so that that was awesome i i got a visconti jacob the red one right yeah i got the visconti chantishire and um i got it in their uh i think it's their new in-house 18k gold nib and i got it in a stub okay this is the first Visconti that I bought new. Well, for myself, anyways. I, mm. I bought Viscontis for other people before. Um, and I I have taken a, a huge liking to this pen, Jacob. This is this is a really nice pen. The capping mechanism, um, because of the way that I hold my pen, sometimes it hurts my fingers. But the pen itself is is just very, very beautiful. Um, it, it's got these red, uh, it, um, it's a red kind of acrylic, I believe, with these swirls of white in it. And I think the the body is a mix of resin and acrylic. Mm. And the the nib, of course, came with baby's bottom. Um, so, you know, I think that's very characteristic of, uh, of Visconti. But I was going to grant it anyway, so I don't really care. Um, and now it's a nice, um, I would call it an OBB. Mm. It's it's very very broad, and uh, and yeah, this this is an awesome pen, Jacob. I, I really really like it. But I remember many years ago, and this was when uh, the pen habit still did a YouTube videos. There was this period when um, uh, Visconti had a bad reputation for build build quality, and I think the nibs in particular had problems. So that is all. Mm. That is in the past now. No, um, the Visconti nibs were made by Bach mm. in Palladium, and that was when it was really, really bad. And now it's in house. I would say it's a, a bit better, but it's still hit or miss. The one I got had baby's bottom and it and it squealed. Mm. So I wouldn't say everything is fixed, but it it's it, they're getting there. They're getting there. Okay. Yeah. And then on top of that, I got this Maltini. Pen. And um, this small team tip pen, I got it from the same uh, the same vendor. Um, and when it arrived, I noticed that the uh, piston, the piston uh, is um, it doesn't close properly. And so I reached out to the retailer and I said, "Hey, you know, it, it doesn't close properly." And apparently, these pens are made by the same people um, at Leonardo. Mm. Had a chat with them yesterday. And they they confirmed that in fact they had made this pen you know some years ago. Right. So I might send this back to them for repair. Mm. 
but otherwise it's a it's a very very beautiful pen uh blue pen um it's the multini that is made of oma celluloid uh so the blue one is uh made of um blue lucent so that's very very cool i think you need to step up your instagram game again because very few of these pens have shown up on your instagram feed yeah, um, you know, I've, I've been very busy for reasons that uh, I'll tell the listeners next uh, episode. So you got to tune in next episode if you want to know. Um, but I also got uh, this new system journal. And the system journal that I, I bought, uh, the system techo that I bought is uh, is a Gucci um, system techo. And I don't know if these exist outside of Japan, actually. They might have been made for the Japanese market, but... All of the, or not all of them, but um, a lot of these luxury brands uh, make um, system techo for the Japanese market. And Gucci hasn't made any in, in a few years now. Um, I think the last time they made it must have been in the Frida era, but, you know, five, six years ago. Um, I I really like it. And I got it on Medicari. And on Medica, you know, you can get anything. Uh, I got it for a very, very good price. Actually, I think I got it for about $50. So that's like half the price of a plotter, right? And they yeah. fit the M6 refills. So I'm using the Da Vinci refill, ah. which is obviously Tomoe River. And that's been really, really awesome. It, it feels great to use. And the M6, is, it's my first time using M6. It's really small. So, um, so it's very good for me to take to work and take some quick notes. So I think I'm becoming an oyaji just like you, Jacob. <laughs> well, the M6 size is perfect for ink swatches, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I really want to get an M5, but uh, but let's see. Yeah. yeah, I don't have enough money to buy everything I want. But uh, Jacob, so I've obviously spent a lot of time on these acquisitions. Um, but you got something I would say that's uh. That's probably more interesting than everything I just said. Well, I got a pen back from Hiroko. Um, like a while back, I bought a Pelican pen from uh, Mercury. And uh, it, mm-hmm. there was a crack in the cap. And I knew that when I was mm. buying it because that was factored into the price. Um, so I got it for a very good price. Um, to be honest, at first I thought I was just going to you know, use... Uh, washi tape or whatever to keep it in place but then i asked sort of posed a challenge to uh, hiroko is there what what could you do with a cracked cap is there anything you could do with urushi to you know repair this and for example can you do a kintsugi which we talked about before and she said that kintsugi is probably not a good idea and she didn't think that would be suitable for pants <clears throat> to be honest i can't remember exactly what the reason was but she was she didn't think kintsugi was the right approach but then she thought she could like wrap it in like silk threads and then the urushi on top and she thought that would um that would like stabilize the crack and you know protect prevent it from get from getting worse and, and obviously also um hide it and uh, so that's what she did so i got the pen back yesterday so it has, yeah, it, it has uh, silk threads around the area where it was a cra- uh, crack, and then she did urushi on top, and then and then on top of the urushi she uh, sprinkled like green aluminum powder, mm. 
And then the rest of the pen is the more traditional uh, like Karanuri design, like, like black with some uh, light and dark purple speckles, but a little bit of green too, which is an interesting combination. Yeah, and then the caveat is, of course, she's not willing to do this for customers, right? And uh, not yet. Um, did she did she put the word yet? Well, so I asked her if the customer sees this and 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 asks for this, well, what will you do? And she said that right now she won't be able to do that. But it's but she said that that's possible in the future. And to be honest, this is also why I feel a little bit bad about getting these pens because. As we have told, you know, many customers recently, she's not really doing any kind of customization anymore uh, for all kinds of reasons. Meanwhile, we get customized pens from her, right? So I feel a little bit bad about that. On the other hand... You get customized pens from her. I don't. (laughs) On the other hand, those are the pens that eventually end up in her, like, catalog of designs that that the customers can can request. So in a way, this, you know, uh, expands her a la carte menu of Rushi designs that she would offer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it will be interesting to see where uh, where her business goes because she's, you know, she's got a lot of orders in recently and um, almost, I think, more than she can take. So I don't know how she's going to arrange that schedule in the future but i definitely think she needs to do something to manage that queue yeah. you know either man um hiring a uh a customer service manager or, or something like that you mm. know but i think definitely something uh, needs to needs to happen because otherwise it's not really sustainable as a business and i think that that is something that her um, existing customers are discovering too because you know a few years ago when she had far fewer orders and she was still, you know, figuring out how to do this, she was able to spend more time with each customer yeah. and, you know, discuss custom designs. And right now, because of the way her business works, she's just not able to do that unless she makes changes, right? So so customers who in the past got custom, all kinds of custom designs are at the moment not able to get that. But again, that could change in the future depending on in what direction that she decides to you know, evolve her business. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I, I hope that she's able to figure out soon uh, so that, you know, I think that the main thing is just, you know, we need to be clear about what she can and cannot do. Mm. And it, it's, you know, there's, there's no... There's no um, negative mm. about saying I can't do this, mm. um, but it needs to be clear from the beginning and uh, and not afterwards. You definitely don't want to surprise yeah. the customer that way. Yeah, she's learning just like everyone else is learning how to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of your exact pen, though, it's a. Uh, I actually like the way that the Karanuri was done. I'm not sure I like the uh, Itomaki uh, or the way that it's it's done, but uh, I definitely have to see the pen because that's just so different from what she usually does. Um, and, and then especially the colors because mm. the Karanuri is like purple, right? And then the Itomaki is green. So it's kind of like a contrasting color. It's kind of like a poison, poison pen. 
Yeah, and it was not obvious from the fo- might not be obvious from the photo I posted on Instagram yesterday. If you rotate the pen, it's like you get sort of glowing green underneath. Yeah. And so I, I want to show you this pen in person so you can see what, what I'm talking about. It's really unusual and interesting uh, color combination. Yeah, and um, and uh, Jacob, you you might as well tell us what you asked for because now we know what the the pen actually looks like. <laughs> what did you ask for? Well, yeah, so, yeah, she's willing to do all kinds of experiments with my pens, but she rarely listens to what, what, what I'm asking for. So, well, I did get the, the Itomaki, um, but I also, I asked for a design that would use, like, white rodent powder uh, instead of, like, charcoal powder for, um, for Ishime. And she thought that would be an interesting idea, but then she changed her mind and like, ta-da, here's your Karanuri pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's hilarious. I always, uh, you know, we, we always talk about this behind the scenes, but whenever you send a pen to to Hiroko, the question is always, um, I wonder what you're going to get back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so today for the main topic, we, we didn't have... A, a topic to talk mm. about until a few days ago and then on like you know wednesday mm. all of a sudden things like blew up and we had to change our show notes quite drastically um for for people who are really deep into the japanese fountain pen scene you'll know that there is a uh, there is a magazine in japan called shumi no bungubako and we've talked about uh this magazine on this podcast uh you know a few times uh jacob you know you and i we we were both in the magazine um i think two years ago and um and all of a sudden on wednesday morning i started getting in my japanese language feed saying i hope that uh shimino bungabako will survive so i was like hmm what's going on Mm. so you want to do us the honors of telling the story Sure. Yeah. So I don't have the full details yet, but uh, but just like you, I I found out about this on on Twitter, and then a friend of us gave us and uh, sent us more links with, with a bit more details. But so this company behind Shumino Bungabaka called A Publishing, uh, they are now in what's in English called civil rehabilitation, which is a kind of bankruptcy process, which is similar to chapter 11 in the US, I believe. So mm. the idea is like, you're not trying to liquidate the company. You are trying to restructure the company. Like, I look at the, the depth and what you can do to make the company come back, you know, stronger and healthier later. Yep. So that, that is what's going on right now and that news like, spread like wildfire in the little Japanese uh, pen scene um, and then I think the day after, one or two days after there was another bit of news which is that another company called like, Heritage I believe yep. they had bought or signed a contract to take over Shumino Bungabako as well as a few other magazines from a publishing which which to me suggests that this magazine is 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 profitable and it you know worth keeping around. So as far as we can tell at the moment, it seems as if our beloved magazine is safe. It's going to continue. Yes, and on top of that, um, 
if you look at the the uh, the new company Heritage, yeah. Um, if you look at when they were founded, they were founded last year in uh, September, mm. and from what I read, it seemed like this company was created to buy. Um, these magazines mm. or th- the different titles from a publishing. So, you know, th- these things take time. So, you know, I think actually if they were founded in, in September, that to me mm. suggests that uh, the company that's buying them, th- it was especially set up yeah. for for this deal. That's interesting. I, I didn't actually see that part, but that suggests that something has been going on for a while Um and it's only now becoming like public information. Yeah, because um, I'm reading on their uh, their PR Times, mm. and uh, it says that they they have um, it's uh, through this investor uh, they have um, established a new company. It mm. says, "Kezoku no tame ni sinsetsareta kaisa to narimasu." So. To, to me that that seems like it yeah. um and so it'll be a lifestyle um lifestyle magazine publishing company mm. and you know what this probably has to do with uh, with the taxes um probably that the, the investor uh wants to um you know buy this these magazines even if they aren't like fully profitable um in order to to reduce their their tax well, it might also be that they think they can achieve some like operational efficiencies that a, a, a big old company might be slower to adopt, right? So I'm sure that a company like A Publishing that's been around for a while has a big cost base and yeah. they are trying to keep around magazines that might not be doing well and have been trying for a while. And also, as one of the articles uh, said... A publishing has done other things in the past. I think they had like some store or cafe somewhere in Shibuya. I'm sure they, yep. have, they have lost money on, on other ventures. So I think what this new organization company is going to do is to take the, the most promising part and try to run that in a more efficient way. So apparently one of the, the magazine industry, I mean worldwide, but also in Japan has been on a decline for a while, right? Yeah. Because ad- ad- advertising... And on top of that, you know, you have now the pandemics. A few people, fewer people are, you know, going in the stores and buying, and also there's less advertising spending on top of the the existing uh, decline. Yeah, and um, you know, I think it it just must hurt so much for a publishing because looking at the list of magazines, this must have been their most profitable stuff. So. In the end, they're keeping the 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 titles that aren't as profitable, right? Mm. And you know that that must really really hurt. I think for Shimne Bungabako, the the sales will be fine, mm. but it'll be interesting to see if they take the, the magazine in any kind of new direction. Mm. Because for the past, I would say, few years, a lot of the magazine was just basically a book of ads, right? For for different um, retailers, so it would be the same pens all the time, but just you know a different copy. Um, that is and... definitely true. I mean, if you look at the recent uh, issues, they are like product catalogs. Like here are the new pens yeah. that have been released with like beautiful photography, and then like every second page is 
is an ad from some of the retailers. So they seem to be they seem to have quite a few ads, and um, and then they have also have an interview with you know Betchori or some of the other yeah. Inkunuma celebrities. But every once in a while, even fairly recently, they've had this really interesting like in-depth articles. So for example, they have on a few occasions taken a lot of uh, popular inks and measured both viscosity and surface tension and made this really impressive chart. So that really t- shows, you know, the difference between, you know, the sailor inks and, you know, up to the pelican inks. That's really been why I have bought the magazines in the past, you know, for these articles. Yeah, but th- there's also been like um, History of Pelican, for mm. example, History of Mont Blanc, but they're all written by Fujisan. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And, you know, I mean, I just, I just wonder how many times you can do History of Pelican mm. until until you can't anymore. You know, it, it's pretty much the same contents, right? So that they have this from, you know, different contributors, I guess. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see if, um, if they shift mm. their their um their contents they also have their their online store there's the shimibungabaku club i think it's called and so you yes. so you can go to their online store and you can buy uh, uh, their exclusive sailor pens and some um uh, ashford uh, system tetros and some other products i'm sure they're making some money that way too yeah um so what what's your analysis on um you know obviously you said it's it's probably the most profitable um and it, the reconstruction and things like that but um what what's your take on their their bankruptcy are you surprised To be honest this is not an industry I'm that familiar with if anything I think you have you are more aware of you know how things work in advertising and retail spending and mm. so on so I, I don't actually know I think from from my point of view, I I'm not surprised that a publishing has gone bankrupt. For me, uh, you know, as with as with most companies, you know, you have these AAA titles, you have these AAA titles um, that are profitable, and then you have a bunch of um, titles that aren't very profitable, but you you still want to try them out. And um, I think a publishing as a company had. Just too many titles um, in their roster that uh, that wasn't sustainable, and a big part of their their business um, for for the other magazines were retail stores buying them and then putting them as a as a coffee book. So I'm talking about things like uh, Preppy and Men's Preppy. Yeah, of course, of course, like uh, you know, they're they're fashion magazines and people buy them, but a lot of retail stores also buy them and then they set them down so when the customer takes a seat they can read these these books yeah those are the kind of magazines also that you read when you get a haircut yeah exactly but as we know people haven't been going out so they've been really really hard hit what's different about shimino bungabako is that um shimino bungabako is so niche that there are people who go out and buy every single episode uh, or every single um, every single uh, release yeah, every in order to collect them all. And this isn't something that's just in Japan. So, you know, men's preppy, I would imagine that that's primarily 
a um a Japan uh focused release. Mm. But Shimino Bungabako is bought by people all over the world because, and, you know, as Jacob, you said, you know, beautiful photography. And if you don't know, if you don't read Japanese, then the ads aren't ads. They're just, you know, they're、mm. just the catalog book. So I think Shimino Bungabako in that way was,、um, was very special、yeah. within, within the roster. Actually, I, I, I've said this a couple times, but right now I'm working at a,、uh, Large retail company, and one of my store managers、uh, that I work with,、um, he used to work at Mont Blanc. So he used to read Shumin de Bungabako, and he still does,、mm. but you know, in an unofficial capacity. And when we, got, when we、uh, were published on Shumin de Bungabako, he came to me, he's like, Hey, I saw you on Shumin de Bungabako, that's really, really cool. <laughs>、um, so yeah, those are the kinds of people who are, who are buying. Shimino Bungabako. So, you know, on one hand, I'm quite surprised that A Publishing was willing to let it go because it's such, it's so special, so、mm. different, and it was such a star in their roster. But I guess things really, really got bad.、Um, and if I were A Publishing, I mean, if, if I had to give them advice, I think. Um, you know, they moved a bit too slowly in the pandemic.、Mm. And as a result, they had to, they had to give up one of their,、uh, you know, their evergreen、um, magazines. Yeah.、Uh, another reason why Shimino Bungabaka are known and popular outside Japan is that they occasionally release this、like, special edition. So I think last year they had this big、uh, ink catalog. And I know that you can buy them in many stores, or not many, but in stores outside Japan. So, for example, like y o s e k a Station in the, in the US, like New York, I think, that they're selling that one.、Hmm. Yeah, so this,、uh, this has been、uh, a big shock to,、mm. to the Japanese fountain pen、uh, scene. I, I went to Marazen、um, a few days ago, and they actually told me that they're having difficulties restocking Shumino Bungabako、mm. because, exactly、uh, as, as the article reads, you know, they're, going, they're pretty much bankrupt. So they, they haven't been printing old,、um, old volumes as well. So, you know, hopefully, I'm, I, I'm trying to get a bunch of the、uh, volume 50. The one that we are on,、mm. so that maybe I can use it in our, you know,、um, if, we, if we start a Patreon, I think you know, that could be a Patreon tier if you know, we <laughs> sign the books and you know, have these rare Shimino Bungabako. <laughs> I've only bought、uh, two issues, in,、uh, paper copies of them. The rest I bought uh, as uh, Kindle online editions, and yeah, that works pretty well too. Um, anyway, so, so that's A Publishing. Yeah.、Uh, pretty, pretty big news、um, uh, in Japan. The, the next、uh, topic, let's go on to some news because、yeah. we, have, uh, we had a bunch more、um, news oriented、uh, stories, but you know, because we're running out of time,、mm. the most important ones I think、uh, that you, you've really highlighted here、um, Usagiya, Usagiya、yeah. Platinum. And this new Nagasawa. So let's go with Usagiya first. Yeah, so I think we have talked about Usagiya a few times. It's this retailer in Okayama, and they are somewhat known for、uh, like、hard to get、uh, sailor pants, a little bit like Kobayashi. Like, even for us in Japan, up until fairly recently, you actually had to go there and, and、like、buy. 
pens in the brick and mortar stores. And even now when they do sell online, they usually have just small quantities online. And so the best chance to get a pen is to actually go there and buy uh, in the brick and mortar store. And they are now celebrating um, 70 years. Or technically it's their parent company, like Kurabon, Kurabun, I think, are celebrating 70 years. So they have um, released an anniversary, or actually two anniversary pens, two uh, pilot capitalist pens. Mm. Um, and they are uh, they're open for pre-orders on the February 6th, and then it was going to be on sale from uh, March. But uh, as far as I can tell, it's sold out from pre-orders in a matter of hours. And this is even though they only allow one pen per customer, presumably to you know deter scalpers. And I think they had two, a bit over 200 pens in total, and it sold out in in hours. Yeah, and uh, you know one pen per customer, but that's not one pen per color per customer. Exactly, it's one pen per customer. Yeah, you had to choose <laughs> which which color you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. What? So. These like capluses with gradients are are quite coveted. Yeah. Um. And, and we got uh. I got one color and you got the other. Yeah. So we'll have pictures of them soon. But it's it's interesting that they chose the capless. Um. There aren't so many store exclusive capluses out there. Yeah, and there aren't that many store-exclusive pilots in general, right? And we have talked about before how pilot is only uh, okay to do these collaborations, you know, when when uh, good retailers uh, celebrate major anniversaries. And this is probably what happened here. And I'm not sure why they choose capless, but um, I'm glad they did. It's It looks a bit similar to capless Wish, that we talked about in a recent episode, yep. the, this um, um, retailer exclusive, a brick and mortar exclusive uh, pilot capless that's been incredibly popular. This one looks quite similar. So you have this gradient from sort of white to dark blue to kind of copper orange, I would say. Well, it's kind of a bit hard mm-hmm. to tell because, because the, the photos aren't the best, but that's kind of what it <laughs> looks like from the photos. Yeah. But then, but then the two versions are like rhodium and like black matte. So the rhodium one is called like Shiratsuki, I think, and then this matte black is called like Oborotsuki. Yeah, and I think they're actually—I don't know how I feel about the pens themselves, mm. but that they did it, it is very, very cool. It, yeah. It's not a—it's not a pilot aesthetic, right? But I, I like it. I like what's happening. Uh, with with the capluses now, you know, Pilot has been okay to customize the capless, but I, I wish they would bring it to their other pens mm-hmm. now. There are actually two things about this pen or these two pens that interest me. One is that it has what they call garasfreg toso, so some kind of glass flake coating. I don't know what that means, and I can't tell from the photo mm-hmm. what that what that means. But maybe that means there's some kind of uh, uh, are there some powder like. Yeah, sparkles. Mm. Yeah, maybe that, that, that that's kind of cool. Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to take photos of this and, and see what is glass like. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob. Isn't glass just... Um, 
Isn't glass, like, made from sand? Am I supposed to know that? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I've been watching um, Blown Away right. on, on Netflix, which is uh, which mm. is about glass blowing. I think they said glass is made of sand. Mm. So if you have, like, very, very small glass particles, right. wouldn't that just be sand? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, we have to see what it looks like. But what I'm hoping is that there is some some like sparkles that you can't tell from uh, Usagi's own photos. Yeah. So, uh, so they ship in March. So we'll we'll see in a few weeks. Just one more little thing that interests me about these pants is that at least in Japan, most of these like, interesting special editions, limited edition uh, capsules, they only come in fine or medium, but. This one is available yeah. in broad nib as well. Yeah. Um, next pen we have uh, platinum. The, so, so uh, platinum obviously, I think um, it's it's one of the first Japanese pens that really, uh, how should I say, hit the speculative market. Mm. And uh, and this pen is is the Kumpu. Right, so so the first they, they they came out with Shungyo, which which was very awesome, and people loved Shungyo, and then they came out with Kumpu, and Kumpu was a uh, was very very like wildly popular, and yeah. I mean the the barrel is beautiful, the barrel is honestly beautiful, but the pen itself is wildly popular. It's been selling for like seven hundred dollars, uh, where it retailed for like two hundred. And I think this really began the boom, like the speculative um, boom for for uh, platinum mm. pens. Um, they started uh, doing some more wild things with the barrels. I'd say Loka uh, was um, this kind of cool, uh, like hexagonal design. Yeah, it was called like lens cut or something like that. It was some fancy production technique that apparently yeah. added to the cost. It looked like uh, Kiriko. Mm. It looked like Kiriko glass. That was really, really cool. Um, and then last year they came out with the um, uh, the purple one. Shion. Shion, yeah. Um, so everybody thought, wow. That's like a purple version of the Roka. It's mm. gonna sell immediately. Mm. You know, um, it was uh, it, the color is beautiful. They chose purple. Purple's really popular. Um, you know, th- th- these are gonna sell like hotcakes. Yeah. So uh, because the the Roka obviously they performed very very well. It was sold out um, long before its release. Actually, mm. people were like okay, Roka Roka. Ah, uh, sorry, Sion Sion Sion. So. Xion was released um, with a price increase, uh, with less interesting nibs, and uh, and it didn't sell well, Jacob. Yeah, I don't have actual sales numbers, but one you know data point is, or one thing I've noticed is that you have both Xion and still Rocka available on the second-hand markets here, but you find far more Xions, and more interestingly. Many of the shoes that they sell on second hand on Mercari, they are sold um, below their retail price. Yeah, and not only on the secondary market, but you can still find them on the primary market. Mm. You can find them at retailers. And I asked Madison, I said, 
hey, so um, I guess the Shion wasn't very popular. And they told me that um, because basically of how popular the Noka was, when the Shion came out, they all got really excited. So the buyers at Marazen decided to place huge quantities for, for the Shion. Mm-hmm. And, um, oops. and when, yeah, oops, right? Like when, when it actually got to the store, nobody wanted the, the pens. Mm. So I think we mentioned price increase as, as one of the, the factors. But in my opinion, the, the Sion is a less compelling pen because of the body design. So when I see the new, um, the new pen for this year, and I guess the release window will be around, um, July, just as they have been in the past years. I just wonder if Platinum learned from their mistakes with Xi'an. Do we know anything about the nib options and prices yet? No, um, we do not, but I don't expect it to be cheaper than Mm. the the Xi'an. Because they've gone once again with this full body, like concave-ish design, and that would be like the third year in a row. Orange, I would argue, is a less strong color. Um, just all around it. It's 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 like they've run out of steam mm. in terms of how to customize that body or that barrel, and probably not in terms of design, but also maybe in terms of cost, like how to keep it cost efficient. So yeah, I was thinking about that too. Given that they have done this for for a while now, maybe they have managed to uh, lower the production cost for this particular type of body design. This orange, um, orange color pen. What do you think about it? Uh, I don't have the photo in front of me now, but I vaguely recall that it was red with gold or red orange with the gold trims, right? Yeah, with gold trims. And I can see why gold trims might be suitable for for that body color. But I also know, um, you know, we are both uh, like helping people outside Japan um, buy pens and a a very common uh, opinion is especially from people in the US but also Europe is that they they want rhodium trims yeah yeah they they all want rhodium trims Um, I think gold trim does work with this particular pen Mm. Um, it's always the case with these concave pens you know really have to see it in person mm. otherwise it's it's really difficult to to tell but you know i think as you said it all will depend on the price eventually it will depend on the price and at least in japan it will de- depend on whether there's an sm nib option yeah I, I think so as well i think so so um so that's the platinum's new pen um, and then Nagasawa also uh, came out. I think this pen is is uh, way better looking. I think the the body the, it looks like there's some translucency here. It reminds me a little bit about the new uh, Sailor uh, Shikiori pens. It also reminds me of certain um, Hachimonja and Pentanote pens. So that translucency and that, that color, I think it works really well. To me, the metal grip ruins it. Yeah, the metal grip is actually not that bad, uh, Jacob. The uh, but I I see where you're coming from. I I definitely know that metal grips are kind of um, uh, 
like a deal breaker for a lot of people. Uh, the last one, the Ishimaru one that I had with the matte um, metal grip, that was actually slipper, like more slippery than I had expected. Oh, really? Uh, but you know, obviously we haven't seen each other, so so you haven't gotten to to try it out. But it's uh, it's still, I don't know. It the regular metal grips actually. I have one on a Rialo. Mm. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me. What bothers me is the fingerprints that it leaves. And but but with this pen, what bothers me also a bit is the price. Um, so we talked in the last episode about the new Kyonoto pen, and, and I said that for a limited edition sailor pen, like thirty, like four thousand yen, seems somewhat reasonable compared to other recent releases. Here we have a pen that is another ten thousand yen, and I wonder if that's because of the of the um, metal section. But I, I think that's too much. It is, yeah. It is because of the metal section, but I agree. It's it's. It's a very expensive pen. And I think I think the color. What, what was the name of the color again? It was uh, like Sumiyoshi Yamate like Jade Green, and I think this is also the name of one of their inks. I wonder if this is hmm. if this. Yeah, is I the, think so. If they're gonna do more pens like this, named after their inks, maybe they have already done that. Yeah, they have. I think. Um, I think. Uh... They they've done um, the blue Michael that mm. was a uh, slim. Um, they they've put they've done a few in the past, but always almost um, always in very similar colors. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I, I I just realized we forgot to mention the name of the platinum <laughs> that we talked about. Oh, yeah. It's called the Kinshu. 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 So, um, so when it releases, I, I guess we'll be uh, we'll be talking more. About this, uh, about this pen. Yeah. All right. Um, so, do you want to do Q and A? Okay, let's do just one question. All right. So, because Lens Pen uh, wrote such an awesome review for us, let's mm. do her question. So, uh, Lens Pens asks, "Greetings to both of you from Germany." Thank you for your excellent podcast. I thoroughly enjoy it, and it's almost like vacation for me to listen to your new episodes. So thank you for your efforts. It's really appreciated. I know this may be a weird question, but for somebody who has not yet been to Japan, is there a pen, and maybe an ink too, that you could say is the epitome of Japan or Japanese fountain pens? I know this is probably a very subjective question, and I'm aware that the market uh, there is huge. But if both of you would each have to pick just one pen mm. which would this be thank you and take care so i interpret this question as a, a sort of typical pen that people would buy so my answer to this question is a black and gold platinum 3776 with a no. w- well, hold on hold on a black and gold Platinum 3776 with a medium nib that was bought at takashimaya and it's gift wrapped not a pilot? No, because I really think, I think that this this marketing that pilot that Platinum has in Japan about this slip and seal, I think is quite successful. And I remember reading somewhere okay. that, that the three seven six was not, if not the most best thing, but one of the most best best selling um, 
uh, gold nib pens in Japan and you do see them a lot and I think that's something that people outside Japan might not realize because often you hear people talking about how platinum 376 is underrated I would not say that it's underrated in Japan because even if you go to these like small um, stationers uh, shops that has only like a two or three different uh, gold nib pens you're almost always going to find a platinum 376 you, you will most likely not find a sailor they are not nearly as common also but you're very likely to find platinum 3776 uh, black and gold and you're going to often going to find this kit where you can where you can test your own pens i think it's, mm. it's a very popular yep. pen i think especially a very popular gift option yeah and i actually asked uh i asked a, a retailer that i won't name here about it and she said well you know because it's very cheap so so people like buying that pen for gifting mm. but okay I, I see your point um, I would have taken a pilot because they're they're a bit more established, but but I definitely see your point with the slip and seal. Mm. Uh, of course, as you know, we, I just talked about the price as well. Um, and I'm glad that you took that approach because for me, this pen that I chose is um, is a pen that not everybody has, but it, rather it symbolizes the uh, the craftsmanship and uh and the techniques of pen making okay. and that uh is the of course the namiki emperor oh i see and um for the funsies of it let's uh let's do the namiki emperor in urushi and they have different uh different standard models i think for me the one that stands out to me the most is the fukuro which is the owl mm. yeah so I don't necessarily think that the fukuro or the owl is a is a um, you know iconic Japanese animal, but I think the techniques used in here, first of all, they have gold dust, right? Right. And th- so they have gold dust. They have um, makie, which I think is takage makie, where where it's a bit raised. Right. right. Um, and they also have the very very difficult um, technique of nankaku, which is uh, eggshells. Ah yes. So, so they have inlaying, they have uh, they have um, they have overlaying, mm. and then they have lacquer. The only thing I think they're missing from this is chinkin. This, it, it's a very beautiful pen, and I think this pen just just symbolizes the craftsmanship mm. of uh, of Japanese art. The pen is, uh, you know. There's so much detail in this pen. You know, you can see mm. even the eyeballs of of these owls, and they're the owls are made of of eggshells. So you have to pick up every single eggshell, and you have to like you have to put them in a, in such a way that it becomes a design. And even the clip is lacquered, and it's uh, the gradient matches the ba- body of the of the pen. Um, as you know, the urushi. Uh, emperors they're they're pretty much seamless right mm. uh, you can't see the seam but it's actually an inkidome so so the bottom uh, or the the end of the pen actually unscrews and mm. comes out the nib is fantastic it's uh it's mount fuji and they've even taken special care to plate the uh, mountaintop in uh, rhodium mm. so that it symbolizes you know snowy peaks i think for me this is just this this pen is I mean I don't own it but it's a fantastic right. uh, fantastic pen and I think this is uh, probably the height of Japanese um, pen artistry. 
And in a way, it could also be thought of as a gift pen, except that it's a very different level of gift. So, so it, <laughs> it's, it's not something you get when you when you finish school, but it's sort of when you celebrate that you've sold your semiconductor business to Taiwan. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, the news that I'll have for for our listeners next week, mm. um, I don't know if that's uh, that's newsworthy of this kind of a gift, but um, but uh, I'll keep it in mind that you mentioned it's a gift pen, Jacob. <laughs> but but so. one more thing about that pen that makes it a good option is that it's an Inkidome eyedropper, right? And that harkens yes. back to the early days of uh, Japanese pen making. So, and it's unique because uh, in in uh, in English, this the system is called a Japanese eyedropper. Yes. All right, so I think that's the episode. Um, thank you, everybody, so much for, for tuning in and listening. We really, really appreciate you. I say this all the time, um, and I'll say it again, but you know, we, we can't really do the podcast without the listeners. I've been just so humbled. Um, we've grown a lot in the past year, more than that uh, maybe in the next episode, but we've grown a lot, um, and we think that we can still keep growing, you know, few hundred episodes ago i was listening to uh, the pen addict and they've meant they mentioned that they were on five figures uh, i don't think we have as broad of as an of an appeal because we focus almost uh on fountain pens exclusively this is a very niche this is a niche within a niche yeah but <laughs> I, I definitely think there's still a room for us to grow yeah. Uh, in terms of listenership uh, and in terms of audience, so please, please, please uh, do make a recommendation, make it your stories, make it uh, make it a post. Talk about us on Facebook, talk about us on Reddit, talk about us on Twitter, uh, anywhere you can. Actually, that really helps us out. Yeah, Jacob, any last words? I think that's it. This is a slightly longer episode than usual, but we had a lot of content to cover, so I think it's hopefully a good episode. I hope people will enjoy it. All right, and uh, and with that, um, that's been the episode. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next time. My name is CY. You can find me on TokyoStationPens.com, uh, on Instagram at TokyoStationPens, and on Twitter at TokyoStationMNH. And my name is Jacob. I'm Furufan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at Furufan.com. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.